Well, good evening. It's good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight is, again, part of our One Word series, and tonight's word is proclaim. I forgot to tell uh, Hugh he could do, do all in the name of the Lord, because that's one of the verses that I'm using for this sermon tonight. Colossians chapter 3, and verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As we look at the word proclaim, uh, we're going to look at it from a standpoint of two different ways. We proclaim God, we proclaim Christ in our words, but we also do so in deed. The life of a Christian should bring all attention, glory, and honor to Christ alone. Nothing else in regard to Christianity is more important than bringing others to a knowledge and understanding of His love and how to abide in His love. It is said of preachers, and this is a quote from Dale Jenkins in the study guide that goes along with our one-word book, says the measure of a sermon or proclamation is this. How long is it in your lesson before Christ shows up? Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, sums up the duty of man. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. And performing this duty before God, we also perform this duty before the world, which needs to know who Christ is. By fearing Him and keeping His commandments, we proclaim Christ to the world. Our lesson objectives for tonight are, first of all, to learn what it means to proclaim Christ in our words and speech. And secondly, to learn what it means to proclaim Christ in deed and in action. We begin with proclaiming Christ in word. Let's start with preachers. Preachers are given a great responsibility in carrying the Word of God. We are given the task of proclaiming the good news of Christ, of salvation, and of how these things came to be to the world which needs the message. Preachers do this mostly from the pulpit, although there are other ways. Evangelists, as we call them, fulfill the mission of carrying the gospel to foreign places, to people who have never heard the name of Christ. Isaiah 52 and verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Preachers are given an awesome responsibility in carrying the gospel to those who need to hear it. Some have proven themselves successful ambassadors of the message. Look at Apollos, for instance. Look at Acts chapter 18. Let's read verses 24 through 28. Acts 18, verses 24 through 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke 
and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. We look at Apollos and we see someone who was a very eloquent man. He was a very well-learned man. And yet he didn't know the baptism, uh, anything outside of the baptism of John. And so Aquila and Priscilla, they taught him more accurately his purpose. And he went about preaching the gospel. Vigorously refuting the Jews, as it says in verse 28, and showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Some, such as Peter, showed themselves to be successful preachers by the result of their preaching. Acts 2, beginning with verse 37. After he had spoken a great sermon, he led them to the point where they asked, What shall we do? Let's just pick up with verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Pick up with verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see the result of Peter's message. After presenting uh, the scriptures and what was to happen and they were seeing these things fulfilled. They were cut to the heart. And that day alone, it says that about 3,000 souls were added to them. I would dare say it's more than that. But even afterwards, what did they do? It wasn't something that they just did and went home and, and that was the end of it. It says in verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people the Lord added to the church daily. Those who were being saved, it continued. They continued proclaiming the message. And many souls were brought to Christ through their efforts. Some, such as Jonah, have found success seemingly despite themselves. Jonah tried to run from God. But God found him, if you will. He knew exactly where he was. 
and the storm comes up. He's thrown into the water. He's swallowed by a great fish. We don't know what kind of fish it was. The Bible doesn't really say. But he was swallowed by this fish and he spent three days in that fish. And he came out of that fish. And we read in Jonah chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a feast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them, then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? And God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Jonah was a successful preacher. He proclaimed the message of God to Nineveh that they needed to repent, and they did it. But following the repentance of Nineveh, Jonah was angry. And we're reading the first few verses of chapter 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. What strong words. I think this is the only instance that I can think of in Scripture where a preacher preached the message of God, was successful and was unhappy about it. And matter of fact, I don't hear any preachers today that have that same reaction. But Jonah was successful. But preachers fulfilled this mission of proclaiming the gospel to the world. They are not the only ones who bear this responsibility. A very common misconception in the church today is that the preacher does all the preaching. And that's not the case. Let's look at the commission that was given to the apostles. In Matthew 28, and beginning with verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Similarly in Mark 16 and verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And it's also mentioned in Luke 24. We don't use these verses often. But in verses 46 through 49 of Luke 24, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Of course they did. The apostles bore the responsibility of proclaiming the news of the Savior to the world. First of all, that He had come to earth. That He had been born. That, that He had lived that he had taught a great many people and they were to tell them to observe those things that he had taught them. That he had died. That he had died on a cross. That he was crucified. They were to proclaim that he had risen and was ascended to his father. But they were not the only ones given responsibility for this message. Have you ever thought, how is the gospel going to get to every creature in the world once all the apostles have passed? There's got to be a way, right? If that was the mission that they were given, that mission needs to be carried on. The commission of the apostles is handed down to all Christians everywhere and of every time to proclaim the gospel message to the world. We're familiar with the, the wording of the King James Version, Go ye into all the world. I've often heard it said that go ye also means go me. I have a responsibility to go to the world with the gospel. It's called evangelism. And that word evangelism is one that I think maybe makes us a little afraid as Christians. It makes us step out of our comfort zone, if you will. Evangelism is, is not an easy thing in that regard. It's not easy for us to, to go up to someone that we don't know and, and ask them if they attend church services or ask them if if they know about God, if they know about Jesus, it's not easy to do those kinds of things. It's not an easy conversation to begin. One of the things that I thought was interesting, if you read the devotionals, there's one of them that the writer was talking about 15 seconds. Just 15 seconds. Go up to someone... Fifteen seconds is all it takes to begin a conversation. And that's the awkward part. That's the hard part. And then you can go on. Fifteen seconds can make a, a great deal of difference 
Think of it this way. Sin will destroy the world and the souls of those who dwell in it. If you had a friend or a family member that you knew was in danger, If you knew there was something that you could do to keep them from danger, would you do it? Would you inform them that they were in danger? If maybe you were inspecting someone's house and, and you realized that there's something wrong, something that, that, that is, is going to cause a a great problem in the very near future. It could be a dangerous emergency. Wouldn't you tell them? Sin will destroy the world. We have the good news that can save mankind. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes not will be condemned. Are we willing to tell people that they're in danger, that their souls are in danger? This is not just the responsibility of preachers or even the elders. It's the responsibility of all Christians. Evangelism is the responsibility of every Christian, everywhere, of every time. Proclaiming Christ in deed. You see, we kind of get the idea that proclaiming Christ involves our words, uh, our telling people about Christ and and that's, that's well and good, but it does more than that. We also need to proclaim Christ in the way that we live, in the way that we act. The word of mouth is certainly not the only way to carry the gospel to the world. One also proclaims the gospel in deeds. We think of, of people such as Noah and Lot. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 2, and verses 4-8. through 8. And we'll keep these together because they're together in the passage. But 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Noah is referred to as a preacher of righteousness. Now how did he preach? Now we're not exactly told in scripture how he proclaimed his message to the world. 
Did he preach only by his words? Or also by his actions? I would dare say I, I think it's both. I think he did a great deal of preaching to men, telling them that they were in danger, and of course they didn't believe him. They all looked at him like he was crazy. Who's this crazy man building this big old boat? Well, what we understand about the flood, there, before that there had never been rain. The water came from underneath the ground. But he built this ark. And in building that ark, he proclaimed a message that was louder than anything that he could ever say. He proclaimed his faith in God. God told him to build the ark, and he did it. Just as God told him to do. Lot was a righteous man, as we read in verse 7. Despite the influences of those around him, did the people of Sodom and Gomorrah know him to be a God follower? I'm sure that they did. I don't know how much he talked to them in the streets about God, but they knew. He was a righteous man, and I believe they knew that. Actions speak louder than words. We proclaim a message of something. The question is, what do we proclaim? Is it obvious to the world that we have been with God? Should be. I want to give you a couple of examples. Peter couldn't hide his relationship with his Lord. He tried, but he couldn't hide it. Matthew 26 Beginning with verse 69, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were, were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little farther, those, or a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Peter tried so hard to prove that he hadn't been with Jesus. Maybe it was more about his dialect than anything, I don't know, but it was obvious that he had been with Christ. It was obvious to Israel that Moses had been with God. Look at Exodus 34, verses 29 through 35. Exodus 34, beginning with verse 29. Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments. 
all that the Lord had spoken with them on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. It was obvious that Moses had been with God. And of this same instance, it is said later in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 and 8, But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Now maybe our speech isn't going to give away right away that we're Christian. And maybe our face isn't going to shine like Moses. But what I want you to see is that it was obvious that they had been with God. And it should be just as obvious to people that we have been with God. In the way that we treat them, in the way that we speak to them, in the way that we act, and not being like the world, it should be obvious that we've been with God. We proclaim Christ to the world through our actions, our speech, again, the language that we use, by the people we associate with, and that makes a big difference. If you want to be successful, associate yourself with successful people. If you want to be unsuccessful, associate with unsuccessful people, and you'll be just like them. By the way that we live, the things that we are willing or unwilling to participate in, those things make it obvious that we've been with God, that we follow Christ, and that we will continue to follow Christ, that we are Christians. For many, we are the only Bible that they will ever open. Have you thought about that? They may never crack open the, the cover of a Bible. They may never open it up and read its words. But the way that you live, they know there's something different about you. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 1 through 3, Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. These people were 
everything that they needed. Seeing their example, they knew what Paul and his companions had been preaching. They had a reputation, and that reputation meant a great deal to Paul. It meant a great deal to God. Now, whether or not you are living according to the commands of Scripture, you are sharing a message of your faith with the world. Whether your faith be a strong faith, or whether it be a weak faith, you're, you're showing something. You're proclaiming something about your faith. Or, or maybe that you have no faith at all, but you're proclaiming something about your faith to the world. Actions speak louder than words. And believe me, the way that we live, people will know that we are Christians. We are given the responsibility of carrying the gospel to a lost and dying world. The question is, how well are we proclaiming Christ to those who need Him? Could we do a better job? I think all of us would probably agree that, that, that we probably could do a better job than what we have. Maybe there are opportunities that we've missed. Maybe there are people that we wish that we could, could try to reach out to, but, but maybe they've They've shut, shut a wall there. Maybe there's, there's no way to reach them at this point. Maybe we could have done a better job in the past than what we, we have. And maybe we have regrets as far as evangelism is concerned. I, I have some. Being better evangelistically begins in the heart of each and every individual Christian. It begins within us. It means that we need to change who we are. And maybe that's something that, that you need to do publicly. Maybe it's something that, that you feel that you can't do it on your own. Maybe you need to uh, rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe you've not obeyed the gospel, but whatever your need is, if there's anything that we can do to help you, if there's anything that we can do to assist you, we give you that opportunity if you'll come. Let's together we stand as we sing. Our God.